All right, let me point out in Ephesians chapter 4, look at what it says in verse 3. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And we're not going to go through and read everything again in this passage, but notice also in verse 13, uh, we'll start in verse 11. It says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What I'm going to be preaching on this morning is endeavoring to keep the unity. So we're kind of going away from the series we've been on. I wanted to preach something specifically for today with it being Anniversary Sunday. And I do believe that I think one of the secrets of our church's success is the fact that we have been a very united church over these last eight years. There has always been a very positive spirit in this church. There's not been a lot of, you know, there, there's not been a lot of infighting going on and cliques and things like that. Now, we've had some nut jobs come through here, right? I'm not saying everyone that's come through this church, you know, has been on board with us. We've had some full blown nut jobs that have come through this church and usually they don't stay around very long because at the end of the day, our church as a whole is united. And so when the infiltrators come, when the nut jobs come, they usually figure out pretty quick that they're not going to thrive in this church and they get out of here. But, you know, the truth is our church is growing. God's really blessing. And as we grow, maintaining the unity will become a bigger challenge. It will be more difficult, but I believe it can be done and it's something that we're supposed to strive for. It's something that we ought to work towards. And, you know, and I just, you know, when I, you know, on anniversary Sunday, you just feel like reminiscing a little bit sometimes. But, you know, talking about nut jobs that have just come through the church over the years. I remember, I mean, first Sunday, one of the families we had come through here, uh, talked to me after the service, saying they wanted Bibles and everything. And I was like, I'll bring you some. I went and visited their house. They got saved. They were the first people that got saved besides some, we'd let some folks to the Lord out knocking doors before the church started. But after the church started, they were the first ones to get saved. They got baptized real quick. I mean, they're on fire. They're anxious. I mean, I'm like, man, this is easy. You know, this is what I expected to happen. Everybody's just going to come. They're going to get saved. They're going to get baptized. They're going to get on board. You know, they hear my preaching and they just, I mean, you know, this piece of cake, right? Well, so this is in September when this is happening. In October, in October, I get a phone call from one of the individuals and he was having a problem. Uh, you know, they were having a, they were having a marriage difficulty going on. And he's like, tell me about this problem, what's going on. And all of a sudden, he's just like, and he kind of broke down crying. And then all of a sudden, you can kind of hear him kind of pull the phone away. And he just like screamed. He just started screaming. And I was just like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. what, 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 do you, what do you do when, when a guy's on the phone and just starts screaming? And then he gets back on the phone. He's like, sorry for that. And I'm like, you know, and then he's like real calm. And then... I was like, well, I'm out of town. You know, I'll come visit you guys when I get home. Went and visited them. And turns out, man, they were psycho in this house. They were crazy. And I'm thinking, you know, all right, maybe this isn't easy as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I, w I wasn't trained for this in Bible college. You know, what do you do in a situation like that? And, of course, you know, I mean, I, I literally was the greatest person ever. Our, our first Sunday night we had, we were like doing prayer requests and praying. And so if you want to just praise the Lord for something, she raised her hand. She's like, I just want to praise you, Pastor Tommy. 
And that made, that scared me when she said that. Man, I got scared and I was just like, uh-oh. And that was before the crazy stuff happened too. That's the thing. Flattery, flattery is a huge signal that you need to run. And so, I, I mean, I was like, you know, that, that ain't good. Well, literally, I mean, a couple months later, she's sending me texts, cussing me out, saying, go Catholic power. They're going back to the Catholic church. I mean, it, it gets weird sometimes, all right? And I say all that too, because as we're growing, we are going to continue to have full-blown nut jobs that come through our church. But the truth is, as long as we, you know, have our, we keep our focus right, we're keeping the main thing the main thing, as long as, as a whole, we're remaining united, the nut jobs will not be able to get a foothold. They will not last. They will not thrive. They will have to move on. And they are there. I mean, even recently, we had somebody writing letters to another pastor tattling on me because I'm not enough like that pastor. I mean, just, that's weird, folks. That's crazy. They're gonna come. So I don't want you to say when I'm talking. I don't want you to think when I'm up here talking about our unity, thinking about all the exceptions that are out there. There always has been exceptions. There always will be exceptions. But as a whole, this church has remained united over the years, and we have kept a good spirit in this church, despite those who have come through who have tried to stop that. And the truth is, it will continue being a challenge. It's something we are going to have to maintain. We're going to have to stay focused on throughout these next years because the devil's going to try to stop what's going on. He wants to stop this good spirit. That's one of the attractive things about our church. We have a great spirit. We are a friendly church. We get along. People enjoy the fellowship. That is one of our strong points. We don't have what some churches have where they have the fancy buildings where they have the cool programs and the amusement parks in their church for the kids and all these things like that. We don't have the big money. You know, all the things like some of these places have. We don't have that, but yet we have the things that are important. We have the right doctrine. And the thing is, we can have the right doctrine coming from the pulpit, but if we're not united in the congregation... We're going to have some big problems. So we've got to maintain this unity. We've got to keep it going. But at the same time, it's challenging because we live in a generation that is really defined by two major qualities, and that is pride and narcissism. People have just a fascination with oneself like never before because of things like social media and the internet. Everyone has a platform today and people are obsessed with themselves. They're obsessed with their opinion. You know, there was a time when your thoughts were just your thoughts. And as far as you knew, you know, everybody agreed or nobody agreed. Well, now you can put your thoughts out there on the internet and then you can have a whole bunch of people like your thoughts. And then all of a sudden it starts making you think that you're more right than you probably really are. Alright, just a little newsflash, there's more idiots out there than there are normal people. So just because you're getting a lot of likes and a lot of followers or whatever, that doesn't, that doesn't say much. Okay, when you consider the audience that is out there. But yet that's the reality where we're at today. We have people like that. We're also living in a world where unity means that we need to hold hands with heretics, that we need to compromise. And the truth is, that's not the meaning of unity. And I want to show you in this message, because I think it's important, what unity means, what unity looks like. There's things that you need to understand about, about unity, because we do. We've got to keep this going on. So first thing I want you to understand about unity is unity does, unity does not mean compromise, but it means to prioritize. Okay, turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. 
says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. He said, this is what will make me joyful. This is what will fulfill my joy if you all as a church will be like-minded, of one mind. If you'll be of the same mind, have the same love, one accord. He keeps using that. Now, let me ask you, how is that possible for us who we've got all these different people in here, all kinds of different personalities, all different backgrounds. We all have different opinions. So how are we all supposed to be of the same mind? Does that mean that we just blindly follow one guy? Does that mean you all just sit back and let your minds go blank and you just do everything that the pastor says? I mean, I, I believe that it's okay for you to have an opinion. It's okay for you to have thoughts and feelings. You're going to do that if you're an actual thinking person. So what does this mean when we're all of the same mind? How are we supposed to do that? Because, let's just be honest, we don't all think the exact same, do we? On anything. I mean, if it comes to what kind of t-shirts we're going to get, some people probably would think green would have been better than blue. And some might have thought red would have been better. We've got all these different opinions and you might be 100% convinced because you are a millennial, you are a narcissist, that you know your opinion is better than anybody. You did a Facebook poll and most people voted for red. But we got blue. And you know what? I'm not going to compromise on this. You know? You're not going to compromise. You know that you're right. But the truth is, unity does not mean compromise it means prioritize because look what it says in verse 3 it says let nothing be done through strife or vainglory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves look not every man on his own thing but every man also on the things of others did you know there are some areas where people are allowed to be different where people are allowed to think differently they're allowed to have different opinions different likes all these things are fine but if, you're, if we're going to remain united, you know what people have to do? They can't be like the millennial of today. They can't be like our generation. They have to say, I'm going to esteem other better than myself. You know, this is what I like. I'm allowed to have an opinion. I'm allowed to have thoughts. But as, as a church member, you know what I want to do? I want to do what the church wants to do. I want to remain united. It doesn't matter if I think it would be better if we did things this way or if we did things better that way. I just want to remain united. Whatever the church thinks best, that's what I'm for. And you're, and if, if your opinion's asked, you're allowed to get that. You know, if we recarpet the place, and you know, I mean, I have no vision when it comes to decorating at all. Okay, I have no vision. If I decorated, it wouldn't go good. When we did the boys' room, the color I picked looked hideous. You can ask my wife. It looked terrible. I thought it would look great. It looked great on the little card, uh, you know, that shows the colors. But it looked terrible when we put it on the wall. And my wife saw it, and she was very disappointed. And she went to Menards, and she got a different paint. And then we put that over, and it looked way better. I have no vision when it comes to that stuff. And you know what? I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't. I don't want to get up here. And you know, honestly, I don't even really care that much. Okay, I really don't care that much. And it's a small person that gets up and it's like, you know what? I'm the pastor. I'm going to decide. And then I do. And then I go and I get and I pick the ugliest carpet in the world and I spend the next five years trying to convince you all through my preaching I was right in the carpet that I picked. Because, you know, you know, I picked blue or purple and you all think that looks stupid. And I was like, yeah, but purple, that represents royalty. 
The Bible says we're a royal priesthood. If you're all right with God, you'd want purple carpet too. You know, you know, and just and some preachers are like that too. And and the truth is, when it comes to when it comes to certain things, I just really don't care. I just want the church to be happy. And you know what? I'm just going to admit this right now. When it comes to things like decorating, you know who I usually get advice from? Ladies. From the women. Now, but women shouldn't lead in the church. Yeah, but here's the thing. Women are a part of our church and women actually care about decorations where guys don't usually care that much. And women usually do better at that stuff. They, they really do. Now, I know some guys are better at decorating than others, but they have a TV show called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. So, you know, we're, I'm going to get ladies' opinions on these things. And, you know, we might even say, you ladies figure it out. And at the end of the day, we don't need somebody coming along when that happens and just being like, really? Those curtains? I like the old ones better. And then you just want to fight about that? You want to bicker about that? You know what you ought to do? You, you know, Don't let anything be done through strife or vainglory. I don't remember having any say in that. I don't remember getting my opinion asked on that. You know what? Just be thankful that we got new curtains and that people are happy with it. Just want what is best for the congregation, what everybody else wants. It's just called prioritize. You need to esteem other better than yourselves. That's what we've been commanded to do. And that's what we're going to have to do if we're going to remain united. We can't get all self-obsessed and, and all puffed up where everything's got to be our way because we're convinced our way is best. No, a person who is interested in being united, they don't care if their way is not done as long as it helps us move forward for the cause of Christ. That's all I care about. All right, well, what if it costs a little more money? Well, you know, we, we don't want to be wasting the Lord's money. I mean, we could have got, if we'd have gotten the, you know, the blue curtains, instead of the green curtains, we'd have saved a hundred bucks. We could have helped the missionary with that hundred bucks. Oh, really? And so now you're going to fight over that. You're going to make a big stink over that to the point where maybe people aren't going to now give their money. And then there goes that hundred bucks that you were all worried about. The truth is, if we remain united, that's what's going to make things go forward the best financially, everything across the board. We don't need to be at all caught up in petty squabbles that's real just really about pride. And so we all know, you know, we all know that you'll never compromise, but some things are more important than your infallible opinion. That's one thing we just got to mark, you know, figure out. Some things are more important than our opinion. Unity does not mean everyone is on my side, it means I am for everyone else. That needs to be your attitude. And sometimes it takes effort. It says in Romans 12.15, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Just understand, when you've got this contrary attitude to everyone else in the church, it's because you're wise in your own conceits. You're the only one that thinks that. You're the only one that really feels that way, but yet people who have pride problems, they want to make sure they recruit as many people as they can to their side as possible. Thus creating a bad spirit. Because you know, you, know you know why no one has ever come to this church? No one has ever come to this church and said, you know what, Pastor, you know what made me start coming to this church? The color of your carpet. The color of the curtains. Nobody's ever said that. You know, but what people do talk about? They talk about how friendly our church is. They talk about the good spirit that's in our church. They talk about how nice everyone was. They'll talk about those things. Nobody has ever came to our church because of operations and things like that. Nobody's ever done that. 
Nobody's ever thought you guys have the nicest bathrooms in the church or in, in town. No, no, nobody's nobody. So, but the thing is, isn't that what most churches want to fight over today? They want to fight over things like that, and it's really just about one person getting puffed up. We cannot do that. We've got to remain united. And I understand we are all people. We all have wills. We all have opinions, but we ought to prioritize and say more important than my opinion that just may in fact be right, unity is more important than my opinion on something as trivial as this. So another thing we need to understand is unity doesn't mean that we all agree on everything, but it does mean we're working towards the same thing. Now obviously, everyone in here when it comes to everything is going to have a different way of doing certain things. You know, we're, we're not all going to be in lockstep in every little thing. But look what it says in Romans 15, verse 1. It says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So right there we see, once again, we're supposed to be like-minded. It's not about pleasing ourselves. The truth is, if I would have taken a poll last week and I'd have given everybody a piece of paper and said, what do you think Pastor Tommy ought to preach on next week? We'd have probably had 50 different opinions. We'd have probably had 50 different suggestions. And truth is, if we did stuff like that, then we're going to also have 50 people or 49 people that are mad that their subject didn't get picked. But the truth is, that shouldn't be the attitude we have. The truth is, we ought to just, hey, I want whatever is best for the congregation. And that's, I mean, when it, when it comes to what I preach, when I'm trying to think about what to preach, I'm all, my mindset is always, what does our church need? What is going on in our church? You know, as a whole, what would be good for our church? As an individual, we often feel like, well, I need a sermon on this. I would like a sermon on this. I would enjoy a sermon on this. But the truth is, you know, you shouldn't just be thinking about yourself. Your desire ought to be that the Lord give me whatever would be best for the congregation. And we ought, and we ought to be minding the same things and we ought to be united in that. It says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, "...only let your conversation be as it becometh the Gospel of Christ, though whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind." Look at this. "...striving together for the faith of the Gospel." So unity doesn't mean we all agree on everything, but it means we're working towards the same thing. So you know what that means? When it comes to the songs that we sing on Sunday... We all probably have different ideas of what we would like to sing. But it doesn't matter what we care or what songs that we like. What matters is, hey, it's singing time. It's praising the Lord time. Let's all work together on it. Alright, yeah, we just sang it as well with my soul. Uh, not, that's not really my favorite song, but that's what we're doing to praise the Lord right now. That's the song the congregation singing, so I'm going to get on board and I'm going to sing. When it comes to where we go soul winning, 
I mean, we, you know, it's always a choice. There's a lot of different places we could go. There's a lot of different neighborhoods. There's a lot of different towns. At the end of the day, while all the soul winners might have a different opinion of where they would like to go, what's important is that we say, you know, it doesn't matter. Wherever we decide to go, that's where I'm going to go. If we're going to go to Prophetstown again or Linden or whatever, that's where I'm going to go and I'm going to help make that succeed. That's what unity is right there. We're just, we're, we're thinking of the cause. And we're wanting that to be successful. And when it comes to the details, we're willing to put our opinion aside. Because, and just to say that, you know, that's not my place to choose. I'm not the one who's in charge of that. But you know what I am supposed to do? I am supposed to help whatever is going on in the church succeed. And that should be our attitude. And what ends up happening many times, and one thing that we're going to, we're going to start seeing here in our church as we begin this leadership training, you're going to start seeing more people in the church getting involved in different leadership roles. Now, you might not like one of those leaders. You might not like, you might think someone else would have been a better choice to be leading in that specific area. And you know, the truth is, when it comes to your opinion on that, you might be right. But at the same time, that doesn't matter. You have a responsibility to unite with the church and say, well, I'll set my opinion aside. If this is what the church is doing, I'm on board. And I'm going to continue. So it's not like we're asking people to sin. You know, it's not like we're asking people to sin if we decide to go to Sterling instead of Rock Falls and not Gores today. You know, either way is fine, but yet people will get all bent out of shape over some of those things. They'll even write letters to other pastors if you're going and knocking on areas that are too nice. I mean, that's how obsessed some people are with their opinions. Folks, that's crazy. That's absolutely ridiculous. We don't want to get caught up in that stuff because we are supposed to be united. And we're not going to agree on everything. And in our world today, in the way our culture is, when you do not agree, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to argue. You're supposed to fight. You're supposed to, you know, go have a debate. You know, like, like they do in politics and things. But there are many things that we are allowed to disagree on. I'm not talking about agreeing on whether or not salvation is by faith or by works. I'm not talking about things like that. That's not what most churches split over. Most churches aren't splitting over whether or not salvation is by faith or by works. It's all the petty secondary things. For some reason, they're not able to keep that unity in the church and the church ends up getting torn apart from within because of just foolish divisions. There And a lot of what I'm preaching about on Sunday nights, I'm showing how... you know. When it comes to from church to church, there's areas where we're allowed to be different. There's areas where we're allowed to disagree. What I'm going to be preaching on tonight, there, you know, the, the way we do things. I'm preaching on the Lord's Supper tonight. There are things that we do different than other churches where we dis, I disagree with other churches. But do you realize that when it comes to that particular area, if I disagree with someone and I'm right and they're wrong, it doesn't make them a bad person. There's some things you can disagree on and it doesn't make somebody a bad person. I, If you like cheese on your hamburger, I strongly disagree with you. And I probably will fight you over that, but I shouldn't. Okay, I shouldn't. I shouldn't try to withhold cheese from everybody else in the church. 
I mean, you realize how self-obsessed I'd have to be to do that? And I've tried to find a biblical cause for <laughs> preaching against cheese. I can't, I can't find it. One of these days, one of these days, I'll, I'll find some Ruckmanite method of interpreting the Scriptures to uh, come up with a way to do that. But, you know, that, that's wrong. And it, it's amazing how many churches will fight with other churches over things where we are allowed to disagree and we are allowed to be different. I mean, there, I don't know if there's two women in here that have the same hairstyles. You know, why? There's, obviously, they're doing what they like for themselves. They're allowed to do that. They're allowed to be different. There might, there might be another lady in the church that has a hairdo that you don't like. That you think is ugly. And you might be right. But does that make that woman a bad person? No. It's her hair. She's allowed to do that. She's allowed to be different in that area. And we've got to make sure we just get that in our head. It's like people can't figure that out today in this generation. In this social media generation, people are so obsessed with themselves and their opinion they just, I mean, any area where they disagree, they'll fight on it. And I'm all for fighting on things where we should be fighting for, but there's plenty of areas, and most areas where people fight in church, it's areas they shouldn't be fighting. And we've got to make sure we endeavor to keep that unity because it's just a natural part of our sin nature to want to fight over stupid things. How many times do your kids get in fights at home over things that matter? You know, when was the last time your kids got in a heated fight, verbal fight, over an important Bible doctrine? No, you know what it is? It's over who ate the last of the cereal. It's it's, it's over goofy things like that. It's over who has to take the garbage out. It's always ridiculous things like that. And it's the same thing, it's the same thing in church. So, unity also does not mean someone else is right. But it does mean that we just know our place. First okay, Peter chapter three and verse eight says, "Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing." Okay, listen, we know that life is not all about us. We should be fine with God making everything right in the end. We're not supposed to go around. It's not our job to go around making everything just when things are done to us. Sometimes people are going to do things to you that are wrong. And you ought to be willing to allow yourself to be wrong in order to help maintain that unity. And many people, though, I mean, they won't. If you all, if somebody steals your parking spot, okay, you shouldn't fight over that. I've been parking there for the last five years. But you know what? Unity is more important than your parking spot. Somebody steals your pew. You've been sitting in for you know however many years. Okay? Unity is more important than your pew. And you know, unfortunately, it's little things like that that people get all bent out of shape over. And maybe they were wrong. Maybe they did it on purpose. I know they did that just to make me mad. <laughs> well, congratulations, it worked. You just gave them the victory. You let them boil your blood over where they set their carcass. Man, that's all it takes. You know, some people just like watching other people's heads explode. And some people make it really easy. 
You know, and you ought to just say, you know, I, I'd rather be united. I was done wrong. This person did this to me. They shouldn't have done that. They were wrong. But I refuse to stop the unity in this church. I'm going to let it go. I'm just going to forget about it because there's things that, there's things that are more important. Doesn't mean they were right. It just means I know my place and I am not about to cause problems that could derail things in this church because of something that was done to me. God's going to make everything right in the end and there is no sin in you allowing yourself to be wronged. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, when he is, when he is rebuking them for going to the unjust for judgment, he said, why did you not rather allow yourself to be defrauded? You'd have been better off being defrauded than going to the heathen for justice. It's not a sin for you to allow someone to transgress against you. You have the right, you have the authority given to you by Jesus Christ to forgive that which has been done to you. In fact, He has told us to do that very thing. He's given us that great power and authority and yet people don't want to use it. We should use that and you ought to use that. And if we're going to remain united, folks, you're going to have to use that because I can promise you in a crowd this size with this many people that are around each other as much as we are, stuff's going to be done to you. You're going to be done wrong. You're going to be overlooked. You're going to be mistreated. Somebody's going to be having a bad day and they're going to say something they shouldn't. It's just going to happen. Somebody's going to take the last of the t-shirts in your size and you might not get one. You know, I... And, and you got to be willing to just let that happen. You know, it was wrong. It's like, that would have fit me better than them. They needed a size bigger. You know, the Lord will take care of them when they're getting laughed at in public because they wear a shirt too you know, small for them because they didn't realize, you know, the reality of their physical situation. You know, don't ignore that. But unity also, it doesn't mean surrender. It means move forward. Okay? That's why he said in Ephesians 4 3, he said, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It said at the, in the end of the passage, when he gave some apostles, prophets, teachers, those were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity. Until Jesus Christ returns, we are all going to be sinful people with sin natures that mess up all the time. But yet, God has commanded us to be united. And so we've got to make sure that we just understand I'm not surrendering, but I'm moving forward. I'm, I'm not going to allow myself, I'm not going to allow our church to stop, to stop moving forward because I'm bent out of shape on this one issue. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lay that aside so we can keep moving forward. Alright, we're not united on that now, but listen, I know, I know I was right in this situation. I know my way would have been better. I know if we would have went to Sterling instead of Rock Falls to go soul winning, we'd have had five more people saved than we did in Rock Falls. I know that. And you know what? If you're right, everyone else will know it when Jesus Christ returns and we're all like Him. If you're right, we all will know it one of these days. But do you want to just stop your progress? Do you want to stop the progress at the church until everyone's united with you on that one issue? Which could take years and which may never happen, by the way. Or would you just rather set that aside and say, you know, let's keep moving forward. They can get that straightened out when Jesus Christ returns. I think that's what we ought to do. That's not being, that's not being a compromiser. That's not being weak. You know what it is? That's being a Christian. 
That's being a part of a church. And a lot of where we're seeing, you know, this, you know, this opposite come from, it's from people who have not had enough experience in a real church and all their experience of church has been on the internet. They don't know what it's like to be around other people. They don't know what it's like to work around other people, around other human beings. They don't, they don't have to maintain any unity in their home because it's just them. And they are, man, they are stuck on themselves and their opinion in a way that's almost undoable sometimes. So we've got to make sure we understand what unity actually is. And it says in 2 Corinthians 13.11, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and of peace shall be with you. So you know, the truth is, there are some things just not worth fighting over. There are some doctrines that being wrong doesn't really have any spiritual impact or great importance. There are some things that people they are just allowed to be wrong. You just got to learn to say that. Just say, they're wrong, and that's fine. It's not my job. It's not my God-given responsibility to straighten all these people out and everything. It is my job, though, as a member of a church, to try to help keep the unity. That's one of the jobs I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to endeavor to keep the unity. So I'll lay some of these other things aside. Church shouldn't be a war zone, and nothing can be accomplished when it is. What we're doing, it's too important to waste our time on petty squabbles. There is a great deal of work to do, and God is wanting to use our church in a big way. I believe that, and we don't want to mess this up through just pointless battles of no profit. We need to unite and do great things for God. It says in Psalms 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's a good thing. And that's one of the things that has been pleasant about our church. It is a joy to come to the house of God. It is a joy. People come early. They leave late. Why? Because there's unity here. The devil would love to derail this. And it would be easy for him to do today because we are outreaching the modern culture. And the modern culture is not good with this stuff. And so it's important... That those of us who are strong, we got to help those that are weak. We're gonna have to put up with some junk. We, you know, it's okay if we put up with some nut jobs for a little bit. We give them a chance to straighten out their act. You know, not just throw them out for a sign of insanity. It's okay. It's okay for us to do that. I think we're strong enough to handle it. That the next raving lunatic that comes through here, they're gonna come. They're gonna come. You know, you know, we're gonna, we're just gonna, we're gonna let them knowing that we can handle it. And we're going to wait, let them get out of line, and when they when they cross the line, we'll give them the boot if that's what they need. And and truth is, we just got to understand that's just that's going to be the norm from here on out. And don't be shocked, don't be derailed. The devil's going to send the dividers. That that's what he does. He he always has and we've worked through it for the last eight years successfully, but we've got to keep it up. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for Your Word and uh, the help and the promises it gives. Help us, Lord, to uh, maintain the unity that we have in this church, Lord. I pray You'll help us as uh, you know the, the infiltrators and the nut jobs come through here. I pray You'll help us to 
just remain strong and that they'll see that they're uh, not going to get anywhere here and they'll just move on. And I pray you'll help us to just keep on doing great things uh, for the, uh, your cause until your return. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead.